Good morning again. My name is Marty Cates. I'm the associate pastor here at Sycamore. Uh, Sean was off this week. He had family in town and wanted time to enjoy uh, time with them. And so you're stuck with me for another Sunday. If you remember a few weeks ago, we began uh, as I uh, preached. I said we were going to be walking through uh, who, who is God. We looked at his uh, character, who he says he is in his uh, word. And we were doing that because as, as Christians, we should long to know God more deeply. And for those that are here this morning and you wouldn't say you're a, a Christian, but you've, you've got questions, what better way to have them answered than to look at who God himself says he is? And so that first week we looked at God's sovereignty, how his sovereignty humbles us and assures us and comforts us, but ultimately it transforms us. And the next week we looked at his holiness, and that his holiness demands a response. What will we worship? Who will we serve? And this morning we're going to look at uh, his wisdom, God's wisdom. Uh, there's two types of wisdom that we see in, in God's Word. There's proverbial wisdom that you find mostly in the book of Proverbs. Not the only place you find it. You find it in other places. You even find it in the New Testament in the book of James. And those are statements of wisdom. And then there's what's called speculative wisdom. And that's the wisdom that, that is written in the books and it answers these bigger questions we might have in life. Like, what do we do with evil? And then, uh, why is it here and what is it for? Well, we would turn to the, the wisdom book of Job to have that answered. Well, how, how am I to love my wife? What does it look like for me to, to love and pursue my spouse? Well, we would turn to the songs of Solomon. What does it look like for me to operate in life and, and, and respond emotionally in different stages and places? Well, the book of Psalms is full of those things. It's wisdom. It's speculative. Or maybe you think, man, Marty's life is fleeting. Does it even matter at all? Well, we've been studying the book of Ecclesiastes, and that's where we turn to see that there is purpose in life, even amidst what feels like vapor at times. This morning, we turn to the book of Proverbs and proverbial wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 2, this royal court wisdom. This is Solomon, the, the king of Israel, and he's writing the, these Proverbs down for his children. He wants to pass on to them all the, the wisdom that he's gained and gathered so that they too uh, will have it and be able to rule God's people and, and, and have the, the kingdom and the empire continue and his dynasty continue on as they rule with wisdom. And as heirs with Christ, we too are royals. And so this royal wisdom is for us. And so before we read from God's word, let us pray and ask him for his help this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and as we open uh, your word, we ask you uh, for your blessing you know, that you would use it this morning uh, to give us your grace, to strengthen us, to encourage us, to convict us and draw us to the cross and a deeper faith and a joyful obedience. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So Proverbs 2, would you read with me? Well, my son... If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, watching over the way of his saints. And then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart 
and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. And discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. And so you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. And for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back and nor do they regain the paths of life. And so you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous for the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is God's word. It's without error in any part. It's given for our good and for his glory. Proverbs 2, this royal court of wisdom. Uh, hopefully as we were reading, you kind of picked up on the two big divisions that are here in this, this text. There's two big divisions, the first 11 verses and then the second 11 verses. If you're familiar with uh, uh, the Bible, Psalm 119 is a psalm that is 22 sections and each section is, is, begins with the, the, the letter of the, alpha, the Hebrew alphabet in order. And here in Proverbs 2, the first 11 verses all begin with uh, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph. And then the, the next 11 verses all begin with the 12th letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Lamed. And so even in the Hebrew, it's very visible that it is two distinct sections. And in those sections, three stanzas each. So there's six stanzas and six points. We're going to be here for a while this morning. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Or am I? But with that, there's two things. There's two things that Solomon's trying to impart to his children. And in and, and doing that, he's trying to give uh, to us as well. And the first in those first 11 verses is that you've got to be intentional about seeking God's wisdom, about developing your character. And then if you will, if you will seek wisdom and you will find it, when you find it, you'll be delivered. You'll be delivered from all the, the, the deathly destruction and, and evils of this world. So he's giving them these two big ideas, encouraging development and then showing us the deliverance that comes from developing that heart for God's wisdom. And so as we dive into it this morning, I want you to think, what's the greatest gift you could ever receive? The best thing someone could ever give to you. Maybe it's your birthday coming up and you've already been thinking through that list. Maybe you're like me and you've already got this Christmas list planned and the next 10 of them planned. It's going to be the same list every Christmas because they're all two things that, that we, we can't afford to buy. But one can dream. That's why we got... But the best thing, you know, and, and maybe it's, you, you've had the, your birthday and you, you, you've gotten all your gifts and you didn't get that one thing, but you, there's a knock at your door. And you open it and there, there stands, you know, Elon Musk and Bill Gates and somebody else. And they say, hey, we were just hanging out or having a beer together. And we thought we'd really like to bless somebody. And we just threw some darts at the phone book and you, we hit your name. And so here we are. We want to give you whatever you want. And we think among us, we, we've got the resources to make it happen. You know, want a new house, we can make that happen. You want guaranteed income, we can make it happen. New job, we can probably work that out. New boat, new car, whatever it is. And see if that happened, there's a real danger. There's a real danger for us that we would actually think too small and not big enough. Well, the thing is, is that that did happen. First Kings chapter three, it wasn't three people that showed up. It's, it's one, it's God himself that shows up as Solomon goes off to offer sacrifices in the high places at Gibeon. He loved the Lord, it says, and he's, he's walking in the statutes of David, his father. 
And as he's there at Gibeon, it says the Lord appeared to him in a dream. The Lord appears to, to Solomon in a dream and says, ask what I shall give you. Not what do you want? Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon thinks for a little bit. No, he didn't think at all. He just goes right into it. He says, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father. He walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. And you've kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne. So you loved my dad. You walked with my dad. You established the dynasty and the empire. And now you have made me king in his stead. You've made me king. And he says, but I am like a child. I'm like a child. I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to come in. I'm your servant. I'm your king over these, these great people, people too great to even be numbered. And I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, God. And so he says, give to me. Give to me the ability to tell the difference between right and wrong, good and evil. Give to me the ability to discern. Give to me your wisdom. Give to me your wisdom. And God says, it pleased God that he asked for this. And God says, Solomon, I'm going to give you that. And I'm going to give you all the things you could have asked for. And we know that Solomon ruled Israel at the height of the empire, at the, the height of, of, of Israel's influence in the world. He was the king. Because God gave to him wisdom and then everything else that came with it. It pleased the Lord. Solomon was the wisest man on the face of the earth. His rule was splendid. And we know as he, as he got older, as he got to the end of his life, he didn't live by the lessons he, he learned as a youth. But in this moment, as the Lord appeared to him, in this moment, he displays for us what the Lord wants from all of us. That we would long for. That we would seek after his wisdom. And that's what Solomon's saying this morning, that, that, that you need to seek after this wisdom. He says, that, like, I, I've got it. Receive my words. Treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to the wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding. The wisdom of God comes to those who want it. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a treasure buried in a field. And a worker finds it and he goes and, and joyfully sells all that he has so he can buy the field and gain the treasure. And what is the treasure? What's the kingdom of God? And what is the kingdom of God but the manifest wisdom of God? And so we're to treasure it. We're to long for it. And we only get it when we seek it with all our hearts. And there are reasons we should seek it with all of our hearts. Here in, in Proverbs 2, we should seek it with, with all of our hearts because wisdom belongs solely and completely to God. It says that, that it's, we will find and, and understand the fear of the Lord, the knowledge of God, and from the Lord, He gives wisdom. Let's be honest, we all desire to be wise. We desire to be wise. We, we, we desire to, to know what to do and when to do it. And what Solomon's saying is that when, when we're desiring that, when we're seeking that, we're desiring the Lord Himself. Because He is the one from whom wisdom flows. 
That's why it pleases the Lord that Solomon asked for wisdom because he's asking for God himself. He's asking for a, a personal relationship with the Lord. You're here this morning and you, like all of us, want to be wise, but you're not a believer and you're seeking after wisdom and you're longing for it and you're reading books for it. What you're really looking for is God and a personal relationship with Him who is wisdom. So if you desire to be wise, you desire to be like Him. You desire to do the work of His kingdom. You desire to walk in His footsteps and to be His child. Just as Solomon's saying to his children, God gave me this wisdom and I want you to have it. The Lord is saying to us, I want you to have it, but you gotta seek it. You gotta seek it with all your heart. You gotta seek it as if it's one of the treasures of this world, right? He says to, to, to seek it like silver, to search for it as for hidden treasures. Look, we all know that we chase the treasures of this world. We chase after the silver and the hidden things. We long for them. We long for the, the prestige and the power and the money. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but we, we all know that there's a whole lot of us that bought, bought tickets to the lottery just a few weeks ago. $1.28 billion. And that sucker lived in Illinois, so he had a whole lot more taken out of taxes than if he would have lived here in Virginia, but that's his problem. <laughs> but we long for that wealth. And Solomon's saying, and, and the Lord is saying that, that we've got to long for his wisdom. We've got to long for him as if it's the treasures of this world. We've got to throw those to the side and throw ourselves solely in pursuit of him. We seek it with all of our hearts because it is He Himself that we seek. And then we seek it because we desperately need it. We need God's wisdom. We can read the Bible. We can, we can gain knowledge of His Word, of His precepts, of His principles, of His laws, and still lack how to apply them. Right? We, can, we can rattle off the Big Ten, right? That, we, that we'll worship the Lord alone, that we would, we would not make graven images, that we, would, we, would, uh, take, we wouldn't take His name in vain, that we would keep the Sabbath holy, that we would honor our mothers and fathers so it would go well with us, that we wouldn't kill anyone or commit adultery, that we won't steal or bear false witness, that we won't covet the things of our neighbors. We can know those things and yet still have questions. And where do we turn? What book, what chapter, what verse do we turn to we're trying to decide where we're going to send our kids to school. Do we send them to the elite private school? Do we send them to the Christian private school? Do we, do we homeschool them? Do we put them in the public school? Where do we go? It's a question of wisdom. When we're overwhelmed and we've, we've committed ourselves to too many things, where do we go to understand how to better manage our time? Which, which organizational system do I need to turn to? Is it the Covey system or is it this system or that system? What chapter, what book, what verse? We need God's wisdom. Where do you go when inflation's out of control and your paycheck's been cut or you've lost your job? What do you do? Husbands, what do you, what do, you do when you get asked that question? How does this make me look? You need wisdom. That's a tough question. Or maybe how do you, how do you navigate that maze when you say, hey, do you want, what do you want for dinner tonight? And your spouse says, Whatever, whatever's fine with me. And you start naming things and they start saying, ah, not that, not that. I mean, you've entered into a maze and a labyrinth that you need wisdom to get out of. Where's that at? What book, what chapter, what verse? Where do we turn to to, to, to make those hard decisions that come as our, our loved ones get older? And we've got to make end-of-life decisions. We need God's wisdom. 
Wisdom is applying the knowledge of God's Word to our everyday lives. Wisdom is applying and choosing the right ends, the right goals, and the right means by which to get there. And so we need His wisdom. We desperately need it so we know the right ends, the right goals, and the right means by which to accomplish those things. And so we need His wisdom. And Solomon's saying to his children, you're not going to get it unless you're, unless you're chasing after like you chase after the treasures of this world, but even greater, throwing those things aside. And you need it. You desperately need it. But he's also saying to them in verses 5 to 8 that look, if, if, if you do seek after it, if you throw yourselves after seeking the Lord's wisdom, you will find it. You'll find it. You search for it as for hidden treasures, and then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is the shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of His saints. We have to seek it with our whole hearts and if we do, we will find it. Right? Jeremiah echoes that. If you seek wisdom, the Lord will give it to you. One, because He's wisdom Himself. And two, because he's glad to give it to his children that want it. And so he's got it. And God is described throughout Scripture as wise in, in, in numerous ways. One is that he's all-knowing, that he's omniscient, that he knows all things. And two, that he decrees all things. He discerns what's good and what's not, and he makes decisions. And that last part of his wisdom is that he acts on those things. It's not just that he knows. It's not just that he, he discerns, but he actually moves into action. And he promises that, that those who seek his wisdom, that he will give to us that wisdom, that knowledge, the ability to discern and make decisions, and the ability to have the courage to act on his wisdom. He has it all. He's saying, just come. Seek it with all your hearts. James puts it this way. If anyone is seeking wisdom, James says to do what? Let him ask. Let him ask. If, you, if anyone is seeking wisdom, let him ask. And God will freely give it. And James is a New Testament book of wisdom. And he, he, he later says that, that some of you have asked and you don't have. And you're like, why am I not getting what I've asked for? And he says, because you're asking for the things that just fulfill your own passions, your own desires. You're not asking for the eternal wisdom of God. You're asking for, for the things that just make life easier, more comfortable, more pleasurable for you now. And so you've got to seek after the wisdom of God that's the eternal wisdom, not just the things that scratch the itches of today or of tomorrow. But if you ask for His wisdom, if you're seeking His wisdom, He will give it. And Jesus says that, that wisdom is, is given not to the scholars, not to the learned, but to the unlearned, to the, to the ones who are, who are childlike. He gives wisdom to the unlearned, to the simple. Now, this isn't saying that those who are scholars or learned can't get the wisdom of God. It's actually laying down the foundation that there's no prerequisites to the wisdom of God. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be a learned person to get the wisdom of God. It's given to those who are childlike. It's given to the unlearned. It's a story of a professor, Dr. Gregolia. It's his name. He's a man from communist Georgia. He uh, got a Ph.D. in the Soviet Union and then went on to get another Ph.D. in Germany after he learned the German language. Then he moved to the United States, Philadelphia, to study at the University of Pennsylvania. 
After learning English, he got his third PhD at UPenn. He stayed on staff there at the University of Pennsylvania and was the professor of anthropology for years. Described as gruff and, and mean and lots of other things you would expect somebody from communist Georgia to probably be described as in a lot of ways. And he would go and weekly get his shoes shined at the same place each and every time. And as he s- stopped one time and was reading his paper and he realized that the shoe shine boy was just happy, was joyful, and he couldn't understand why. And so he asked the shoe shine, why are you so happy? And the shoe shine said, because Jesus loves me. Because Jesus died for all my bad things and I'm going to be with him one day. You know, the simple wisdom of God is foolishness to the learned. And so Dr. Grigoli just, you know, opened his paper back up and went back to reading. But some years later, he came to faith. Some years later, that simple wisdom began to find root in him and it blossomed. What Solomon's saying is when we seek it, we'll find it. He doesn't make prerequisites. It comes to the simple, comes to the humble, comes to those who seek it. So we have to seek it wholeheartedly. If we seek it wholeheartedly, we will find it. And thirdly, in verses 9 to 19, we show that if we find it, we will flourish. We will flourish. Everything will flourish by the wisdom of God. That's what happened to Dr. Gregolia. After he came uh, to, to be a Christian, he got fed up with his work there at the University of Pennsylvania, and he left UPenn and became the department chair for the Department of Anthropology at the College of Wheaton, Wheaton College. And he would uh, influence a young man named Dr. Billy Graham, who became an anthropology major because of Dr. Gilgolia. And because of Dr. Gilgolia's understanding of cultures, not only around the world, but, but there just in the United States, Dr. Billy Graham said that he, he set out to make sure he never put up walls between people that God had torn down. Dr. Gregolia flourished. We know that Dr. Graham flourished. When we, when we get God's wisdom, we flourish. Right? It says that then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from the men of perverted speech, who forsake the path of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and are devious in their ways. When we commit ourselves to the wisdom of God, we will flourish. We will flourish because we walk in the paths of righteousness. I cited 1 Kings chapter 3 in Solomon's dream. The Lord came to him and he said, you know, give me wisdom. What we know is that that Solomon then flourished by 1 Kings chapter 10. He is known around the world as the wise man, as the wise king. People come from everywhere to to be with him, to sit with him, to, to watch him discern difficult things. The queen of Sheba in all of her splendor and riches and herself wise comes to test him and leaves and says, it is true that you are the wisest. We know that he's, he's able to, design, uh, to, to, to discern hard things, right? Right after he asked for the Lord to give him wisdom and the Lord says, I'll give it to you, we have the story of the two prostitutes that come. And then they have one child and they say, both of them are saying, this is my kid. Her, her kid died in childbirth. This is my kid. And they're arguing it over, over it. And Solomon says what? Bring a sword. Let's, let's cut the baby in two. And each of you can have half a baby. 
And one of them has the audacity to say, that's a great idea. And the other one says, no, give it to her. It's hers. And Solomon in his wisdom says, that's the mother. It takes a mother's heart to say, I'd rather see my child in someone else's arms than harm come to my child. And the world saw his wisdom and the world came to behold it. And the same happens. The same happens when the one wiser than Solomon comes a thousand years later. Right? At the birth of, of Christ Jesus, what happens? The whole universe begins to point to this, the wise one. The star settles over Bethlehem and the wise men of the world, the wise men of the east, come to do what? To pay homage, to bow down, to worship the wise one, the babe of Bethlehem, Jesus. At 12 years old, we're told that he grows in, in wisdom and stature and favor before God and man. See, those, those that, that are, are flourishing are always growing in wisdom. So how do you know if you're growing in wisdom? Well, if like Solomon, if like Jesus, people are coming to you for advice, for counsel, not because you, you seem like you've got it all together, but because you seem to be someone who understands what the right goals are in life and by the, the right means by which to accomplish those goals. The wisdom of God leads to our flourishing. We see it. Daniel in his prophecy of the end times in chapter 12 says that the wise men will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father so the entire universe will be gathered and beholding the wise children of God. We've been given this gift. We've been given this gift through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So the very heart of the wisdom of God is the gospel. The very heart of the wisdom of God is the gospel itself. We're told that the gospel is, that the Jews considered it weak, that the Greeks considered it foolish. But Paul says that for those who are being saved, that is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so we flourish in it. But not only do we flourish, it delivers us. And so you will walk in the way of the good. Keep to the paths of righteousness. For the upright will inhabit the land. The wicked will be cut off. The treacherous will be rooted out. The wisdom of God at its heart is the gospel. That God's wisdom says that He came to forgive the foolishness of His children. He, for, he came to forgive the sins of His children. And the world looks at it and says, this is rubbish. It's weak. It's foolishness. And God says, oh, I have come that the foolish may be forgiven. That the foolish may be delivered. That the foolish may walk in the good and keep the paths of uprightness as Christ our Savior leads us. As He clothes us in His wisdom and His righteousness. And the Lord looks on Him and forgets our foolishness. That's the wisdom of God. Get wisdom. Get God. We all long for it. We're searching for it. And he says, if you will seek it, you will find it. So when you seek the wisdom of God, be ready to find God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come this morning. We come to rejoice. 
the gift of your wisdom that the foolish the foolish may be made right the foolish may be forgiven so Lord we rejoice at the work of Christ Jesus the wise one on our behalf that we be clothed in his righteousness and that by your wisdom we've been made heirs to the kingdom this is his name we pray Amen.